Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presents Marking Out the Days Weekend Warriors, episode 30, covering the date of November 14th, 1992, episodes of WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I'm joined here with the mayor and content creator of Kicking Out at Two, Dave Rosenbluth. Dave, what's going on, buddy? I, I like that content creator. I think I, I think I'm going to roll with that. We can hashtag that if you want. Cool. Um, yeah, no, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Ready, uh, ready to uh, ready to rock and roll. And uh, you know, full disclosure, kayfabe, breaking kayfabe, breaking that fourth wall. Um, you know, I, I would like to apologize on behalf of uh, myself. Um, you know, with scheduling conflicts, unfortunately, you and I weren't able to to record this episode. Oh, it's, it's you and I too, both. Don't don't. No, I know that, but I'm so. but no, I know, but but I'm 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 you know I'm apologizing for myself. I I wasn't gonna. You know, I'd let you do that on your own as well, um, in all seriousness. But um, anyhow, long story short, uh, you know, we're, we're gonna give we're gonna give the listeners a double dose, a little binge, do a little Netflix and you know binge. But instead, it's uh, marking out the days and chill, um, mm-hmm. or weekend warrior and chill, or you yes. know whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, on this on this fine Saturday. Um, so hopefully, you guys get to you know get get your fix. Uh, you know. With, with this recording and then the next recording at the links that are posted on social media as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find all that stuff over there. Um, yeah, so I just want to give a quick shout out and apologize. Life's been crazy, but hopefully we can get back in the saddle and uh, get some things going soon heading into the new year. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of the new year, we might have some new concepts for shows because WWF Superstars is still yet to update on uh the WWE network. So we have kind of done this show with WWF and Saturday night, you know, or WCW going head to head. So, uh, yeah. it's going to change up the show marking out the days. Uh, we have until December 5th. So you and I are kind of on our last little run here. Yeah. We're at the, it's we're bittersweet. At the, yeah. We're at the tail end. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, uh, going back and watching superstars and Saturday night. Um, it's, it's kind of funny. We've, uh, you know, by doing this show, We've been watching a lot of wrestling, and I'll tell you, it's the, some of the stuff from 1992 is either just as bad as it is today, or just as good as it is today, or even better than some of the product that's out there today. So, um, it's been it's yeah. it, it's been a it's been a fun ride. Yeah, absolutely, and great segue into uh, our first segment um, before we get started into the day of November 14th, 1992. We like to do a little thing here called One and Done, where we talk about the recent. Uh, wrestling war quote-unquote that is going on or the uh the surgence of wrestling that's out nowadays on wednesday nights and one that i added tuesday nights nwa power aew dynamite and wwe nxt uh dave you want to start out the one and done like what what stood out to you this week um i'll be honest with you it was it's kind of good and bad. Um, I'll explain it uh, in full. But the uh, the, the Kenny Omega um, John Moxley lights out match from the AEW Full Gear pay per view. Um, awesome. I, um, I I'm kind of mixed on this. Um, I've I thought that there was some really good parts of the match, and I felt like in a lot of areas there was too much violence. Um, like it was just overly violent. Um, 
the the rivalry's been good. The stuff they've been doing back and forth on the microphone, the interactions they've had with each other in person in the arenas, people have been into it. Um, the way Moxley came in into AEW and took out Omega and really set his sights on a top guy. Um, I thought that I thought the way it was done and presented was good stuff. And moving forward, I thought that they've had for the most part some some good interactions with each other. Um, but I didn't feel like their first encounter should have been a lights out match. I felt like that's like a that's like a feud ender. You know what I mean? Like that's that's mm-hmm. something that you 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 put the exclamation point on the rivalry. And so I felt like they really they over delivered, um, and it wasn't in a good way. Um, like I said, the violence was just way too much. Like I, don't get me wrong, I love hardcore wrestling from time to time if it calls for it. But I didn't feel this match needed it. Um, and I also felt that, and I think they did that mainly because they couldn't produce the match at all out due to Moxley's um, injury when he suffered the MRSA in his elbow. But um, I, what, there was so much of that hardcore stuff going on in that match that, like, there was at least, like, 12 different times they could have had a finish. And yeah. I just thought, like, all right, this is it. Nope, it's not it. Like, oh, this is it. No, nope, that's not it either. And I feel like... Wrestling fans like to call a lot of bullshit on on overdone finishes or kicking out of everyone's finisher. Um, they they like to point a lot of that at WWE, but I mean, what 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 I looked at from watching that Full Gear pay per view, I was like, man, I called bullshit on that barbed wire spot right away. Um, oh God, the, the, it, it was it was blading or like scraping for the un- unnecessary sake of blood. Like the suplex, like, like for instance, you know, I didn't mind like you know the barbed wire broom and the and even the mouse traps, like that was okay, and because I know Moxley had a history with that stuff, so I and they 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 played it up in the hype video, so I thought, well, we're gonna see some of that, which is fine, because obviously he didn't get to get that out of his system in WWE, but he could do that in AEW, which was fine, but it was just way overdone. Like here's where I called bullshit was the the point in the match where. Omega was on the ramp and he was about to do something to Moxley and all of a sudden like you see him look over and it's Matt and Nick Jackson the Young Bucks and they come out and they're like telling him like dude you made your point enough's enough you know please just stop and we all know they're both executives in the company along with Omega and Omega basically told him, "No, fuck that. We're gonna do this. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end it. I'm gonna end John Moxley." So the two same guys who were trying to stop their friend from going overboard then decides to help him and deliver this barbed wire apparatus, whatever the hell this thing was, that set up the spot where they did the suplex. Now at that point, I, I'm not a, I'm not gonna play Monday morning quarterback, but I am at the same time and say that's where I would have ended the pay per view right then and there. Just roll credits, fade to black, done deal. Like, leave that cliffhanger for people to wonder what the hell happened. Instead, they suplexed each other, and then they were both immediately taken out of the barbed wire, only to come back in the ring, to then tear the ring up, to then to the point where there's there's no mats, there's no padding, it's just the the the, the wood boards underneath. I, I just thought that was cool. I mean that 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 spot was cool if it was done earlier. Yeah, I felt I think, like the finale think, should have been the barbed wire spot. Me personally, yeah. but I think they were just throwing everything against the board there, and it was like, it was way too much, man. Yeah, it was a lot. But I digress. Go ahead. And I'm not, and I'm not taking anything away from them. I, I enjoyed parts of the match. 
I'm not like saying it was terrible, but I just thought like it was too much violence. And there's there's so many there were so many overdone finishes. It was like they should have ended that match twelve times before, and they didn't. So that's where I kind of stand. That's my one and done that match from Full Gear. Um, and yeah, that's 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 what really that's what really kind of stuck with me and resonated with me throughout the week. Okay. Um, my one and done is the involvement with the main roster and NXT. Okay. Um, it's a lot of cool moving parts that we see Finn Balor coming back to NXT and kind of, uh, siding with the undisputed era in a way, you know, the history there with those guys, some of them being involved with bullet club, some of them just working together on the indie scenes or in Japan. Um, and just now the involvement of the NXT coming over to raw, um, and AJ Styles coming on to NXT. That was cool to see him in the club there, uh, as well as Bailey showing up on NXT. Um, yeah. Just a lot of cool, just very interesting storytelling now that we have both those brands kind of blended together. But again, they wanted to keep these separate, and WWF doesn't, or WWE rather, doesn't really know how to do that, do they? No, I mean it's and the timing of it is not good either because they went from being like, um, you know, we got this draft and we're gonna separate everyone and we're doing a hard split and then a month later, Survivor Series. The last few years have been centered around the brand versus brand with Raw and SmackDown. Now you add NXT into the mix because they're on USA and they're they got two hours and they're looked at as a. It's not a developmental territory anymore. They're a main roster brand, and so you have to add them into the mix. And yeah, it kind of muddies the waters a little bit. But at the same time, um, I, I feel like uh, once that ta- once that ends for around Survivor Series time, then they go back to that hard split. So um, yeah, yeah, it's it, it, I can see where you're saying it could be a little difficult and a little uh, confusing at times. But it's cool that they're actually implementing this. Hopefully we get an NXT versus SmackDown or NXT versus Raw Survivor Series match. Well, it um, looks like that's, which what, I think, well, that's what they're planning with, the, with. That or War Games. Well, originally I thought that they were going to kind of go the War Games route, but they it looks like they're, they're going two War Games the night before a takeover, a men's and a women's, which that might be a little overkill. Um, however, um, you know, it looks like I'm they're... I'm excited for the women's, though. The women's one should be good. Yeah, that definitely should be good. Um, they've been bringing it, and they've been they, that women's division in NXT has been making the the women's division in AEW look like two really bad indie wrestlers. Like, oh, like it's just fucking awful. Like, I don't know why they let Omega um, book the the Japanese girls. I just don't understand it. But um, yeah, after after listening to uh, your buddy Dennis. On one of your podcasts, like kicking out at two, um, he made a good point about Io Shirai, and I've been pay- paying closer attention to her. Yeah, he had, yeah, like I've said before, Dennis is a wild card. He'll make you think things you didn't think. You know, it's 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 funny with him. But um, yeah, it looks like they're gonna go Survivor Series route with the men and the women, but this time it's three teams of five. So they're kind of really beefing up the. They're they're sticking with the Survivor Series tradition, but kind of adding to it um yeah. with a third team so that should be interesting i'm okay with it um i yeah, think same that's here. about it for our one and done though yeah i think i think we are definitely one and done for sure let's uh let's get to the real meat and potatoes of uh of what we do here 
Yes, indeed. Let's go to the date of November 14th, 1992. In that magic school bus, we got the tags back on and passed uh, inspection and everything. And uh, now we can take the bus. That's right. Me, 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 me. The wheels on the bus go doop, doop, doop. (laughs) Um, All right, let's go to WWF Superstars first. Pills in my fanny pack go jingle, jingle, jingle. (laughs) Jingle, jingle, jingle. the white and wonderful whites of something on Netflix. It's like the wonderful whites or something. I don't know. It's about some people in West Virginia that do pills or whatever. And a guy like shakes his pill bottle and he goes, you know what that is? That's a West Virginia mating call. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to go watch that. All right. Superstars. All right. We open the show. Yeah. We open the show with Repo Man running out to face the British Bulldog for the Intercontinental Championship. Wow, this is a hot way to open up WWF superstars with a title match. Maybe they're getting some ideas from WCW trying to, you know, focus on the competition right now. Yeah, yeah, that, um, yeah. Good, good way to start things off. Yeah, Bulldog wins with a running power slam. Not too much to see here, though. That finishes no. their feud, I guess, that's been going on for some time with the Toe rope. The toe rope. You hang me by the toe rope. You took my crack pipe and I hang you with the toe rope. Exactly. Uh, then we bounce to Mr. Perfect and Vince McMahon. And Mr. Perfect congratulates Shawn Michaels on winning the Intercontinental Championship. Wait a second. Before he's even had the match. Uh, it's supposed to be later tonight with the British Bulldog. That's on Saturday night's main event on Fox, which, uh, Dave, you covered on Kicking Out at Two, correct? Yes, uh, Dennis and I watched that uh, a little over a month ago in anticipation of the debut of SmackDown on Fox. Uh, yeah, so that that that's interesting that... Um, the, uh, the post-production edit kind of missed that. Well, he was kind of like uh, saying he's going to win it tonight. In oh, okay. You know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got Vince you. was like, will you, will you stop? Oh, okay. In like a tongue-in-cheek kind of way. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But a spoiler nonetheless. Yeah. Um, then Money in Ink later on the show on that uh, Saturday night's main event, we'll face the Ultimate Maniacs for the WWF Tag Team titles, and Bret Hart will face Papa Shango for the WWF title. And you did a great watch along there. I would recommend everybody to find that in the archives on any podcast app by searching Retromania with a W. Right. And Podbean is our home base, but yeah, search Retromania, and you can find all those illustrious podcasts, over 180 and 300-plus hours of wrestling content for your ears. All right, moving on later in this program, the Head Shrinkers and Marty Jannetty, the Natural Disasters, Nails, the Undertaker, is going to be building the coffin for Survivor Series in his workshop. Uh, that's a preview of what's going down on the show. Then we Sounds get a, like look. a loaded show. Yes, indeed. Uh, we get a look back at Bob Backlund and his accolades. No, he didn't die. He's just forty-three and ready to wrestle again. Is he? Um, uh, he is he? Is he nailing the ceiling? No, right. but they they do bring up that he gave up his construction business. Okay. And then we uh, stare into his cold, dead eyes, and he says, "I'm back in the WWF. I love my family. I love my fans. And now there's just a question of how successful Bob Backlund will be." Sweet. Thanks for coming out, Bob. You gave it all up to have this big return here and a long, lengthy title ring. I'm 
Sure. You know, Bob Backlund's quite the entrepreneur. He actually still currently to this day delivers oil like to what? homes. Yeah. Wow. I got a buddy of mine who's actually hosted uh, a few podcasts with me on Kicking Out It too. Um, my, my cousin, Billy Brown, uh, he's good friends with Bob Backlund, and he gets his oil from Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund drives the truck and delivers the oil. I've seen it happen. That is nuts, dude. I mean, he's got to make his money. Yeah. But think about it. I mean, construction business, you know, I mean, yeah. He's, Wrestling, oil. Yeah. And he's an All-American. He was going to run for president in 96. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when all of a sudden he got smart and shit and so used all them big words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, we go to a commercial and come back, and it's Jim Powers and Johnny St. Laurent, and their opponents are the Head Shrinkers. All right, and then this clown comes from out of the backstage area, and we get another sighting of that clown who is, we know is Doink, or other known as Matt Bourne, or otherwise known as Big Josh in the first uh, couple of months on this show. Yes. And, yeah. Anyhow, uh, Head Shrinkers win with a big top rope assisted splash onto Johnny St. Laurent. One, two, three. I hate those, like, assisted top rope splashes. It does no effort. Like, the guy tossing you off while you jump. Like, yeah. You jump, you know? I always hated that. Yeah, it looked Just a little silly. picky. No, 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 I get you. I get what you're saying. I totally get it. Then we go to Event Center with the voiceover of Sean Mooney. Still on his on his. He's on his honey, Mooney. Um, he's pimping some Ico Pro, and it's actually Mean Gene in the event center taking his place, and he pimps Saturday night's main event going down tonight, 9 p.m. on Fox. And he also pimps the Survivor Series. Then he tosses to Rick Martell. Well, well, Buffalo Breath, you're going to get these feathers, and now's your chance, and you have to get them back. And more than half of a year. Ha <laughs> ha, you had to wait that long. No, he didn't say that, but I was like thinking, Jesus Christ. Well, yeah. Then it's we go that to time you get your match against me. That Kobe Nider, he booked the match with the Vince McMahon and the Patterson. And he said it's been it's been since April 25, 92, that you make the big payoff for the match. And then I spray you with the arrogance. Oh. Uh. Yes, thank you. Thank you guys for finally making me spray my arrogance after this. Uh, we go to Big Boss Man, who's pimping his nightstick match against Nails at Survivor Series. A lot of pimping going on here. Yeah. First man to reach up and grab the nightstick gets to whoop his opponent. And remember, the way you beat me, you remember, you remember, you're going to serve hard time. All jokes aside, this is a fiery promo from Big Boss Man. It's great. It's intense. I love it. Uh, I was excited to see the match, even though it's nails. Yeah, Big Boss Man. Get his ass whooped. Yeah, Big Boss Man, uh, he delivered on this promo for sure. Absolutely. We go to another commercial and come back, and it's a great Bam Bam Bigelow promo. And Dave, you and I have enjoyed these recently. Yes. He's, the, he's doing the Bam Bam. Like so much intensity, that head tattoo looks fresh. So, uh, oh yeah. yeah, good stuff here from the from from the Bammer. Yes, indeed. Uh, then we go in the ring, and it's Iron Mike Sharp. Uh, his opponent is the returning Marty Janetti, who gets a huge reaction here. The fans are still nostalgic, uh, going on this nostalgia trip for the Rockers. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, well, Janetti, you know, the, the Rockers were a popular tag team, and Janetti, um, when they split with him and Sean, like, you know, he, he disappeared for a while, and, you know, you know what they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and, uh, you know, he didn't really get his, um, his uh, I would say, his comeuppance, um, or his revenge on Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels didn't get his comeuppance, so... Um, you know, they were the fans were invested in them as a team, and when they split, it was very emotional. And you know, I, I feel like the the, the pop, the, the big pop, was warranted for him. You know, and this was the first time he had stepped away and disappeared before he took his forty three other sabbaticals um, for 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 drug use or fucking trying to have sex with his daughter, not so daughter. Yeah, and it, and it's actually it hasn't been so long thinking of it since the you know it's been a year or two yeah maybe? about a year yeah when that when that all went down yeah yeah so it, it's good to ha- see him come back it's terrible what we'll see what happens but, but, but think about it in that in that time period a year is like a lifetime in wrestling you know like, oh my god but the return reaction that you get like he got here yeah oh it's huge and fans were hot for this whole angle with him and uh sean yeah it was huge it was good stuff Yep. Um, uh, Marty actually has a picture-in-picture promo during this match. He says he's not a quitter, he's not a rich kid, but he wants to kick Sean's butt. And There's nothing much to see in this match, but uh, Janetti gives Mike a top-rope punch, which is Jerry Lawler's finisher, which uh, I hate that finisher. Anyhow, one, two, three. Like, a top-rope punch. What effect does that do, too? You know? Yeah. I'm getting picky about my wrestling. <laughs> you sound like the internet. Yes. Next up, we go to update and promotional consideration paid for by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. <laughs> you sound it's, like your Alfred Hayes turned into fucking Tickle Me Elmo after having a few beers. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's Lord Alfred Hayes, and he is talking about the Coliseum home videotape collections for nine ninety nine each. Interesting how we have that all now on the network for nine ninety nine a month. Very interesting. Yes, I love it. I love I love the technology that we have now. I mean, WWF and Vince have have like since day one always thought about this network. You know. Oh yeah, it's been a it's been a brainchild. It, it was going to be a cable. The funny thing is about the WWE network now is that like. It was originally going to be a cable channel that you would have to like pay to subscribe, like an HBO kind of channel. But imagine not being able to have all of the options that you have now at your fingertips if it were a cable channel. You know what I mean? Like if it were right. part of your cable package. Like in 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 a sense, they I wouldn't say WWE was ahead of the curve, but they were one of the first to start doing their own streaming service five years ago. And now everyone's got a fucking streaming service. Every Absolutely. every network, every brand is doing some kind of streaming of sorts. So, um, but just think about it. Like, imagine if, you know, you paid an extra $15 a month or whatever it was to have the WWE Network as a part of your cable or your direct direct tv subscription like people would you know you have that channel and it would be a continuous stream but you wouldn't have the option to watch whatever you want whenever you wanted to you know that's that that to me is just fascinating it like how what could have been with the wwe network and what it is now but go ahead and continue i digress no that i i I agree i agree that's exactly um i mean he he's brilliant you know yeah 
he had these ideas way back in the day and everybody has implemented them. Yeah. In other facets of entertainment. Goddamn um, visionary, pal. Exactly. <laughs> Hayes, Lord Alfred Hayes, uh, brings up the new WWF champion, Bret Hart, being a great defending champion and the most defending champion that they've had in a long time. Kind of a jab at Hulk Hogan. Um, he tosses to primetime wrestling last Monday, and it's Bret Hart against the Berserker. We get the five moves of Doom recap. Stick a fork in him. He's done. I love when uh, Gorilla Monsoon was on commentary. You know, I missed it. Oh, that. yeah. Gorilla was the I want, man. I want primetime wrestling on the network. Is that is that on there a lot? It is. They, they have episodes, I believe, from like 87 to like the middle of 89. Um, okay. But that was just like Gorilla and Bobby in studio. They, they, any after, I believe like the middle of '89, is is when they cut it off. But that they don't have the. Remember when it used to be like Vince? They used to have a studio audience in the studio for primetime wrestling, and it was like Vince and Bobby, and there were people in the crowd, and you would ask questions, and they would have the wrestlers like come out and do some crazy stuff. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. Okay. They don't have those episodes yet, and then they don't have the episodes where it was like a round table with like Vince and a couple of like Hacksaw Jim Duggan and like you know Bobby Heenan and names like that. Like they don't have those episodes yet, but they have everything for I believe from like '87 to like the middle of '89 mm-hmm. uh, with Gorilla and Bobby and Studio. The original stuff. People, what people say is like the the peak of of uh, primetime wrestling. Wow. Yeah, I, I would love to see that other stuff, too. You know, I want to absorb it all, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, tonight, uh, Brett will face a, face off against Papa Shango um, at, on Saturday night's main event. And should he be successful in that defense, he'll go against the dangerous and persistent Virgil. Yes, that's right. Dangerous and persistent. <laughs> <laughs> Persistently fucking cracked out. Um yeah, Brett tells Virgil he's stepping into the ring with an excellence of execution. And then Virgil has a fine promo, so fuck, damn it. Why don't you smoke some crack so I can make fun of you, please? My my, my literary skills are persistently bad. Yeah, but they've gotten consistently better. Uh, we go to a commercial and come back, and it's Nails against Glenn Goza, or who cares? Well, I don't know. Nails wins with a choke sleeper, and in the background, there's a great little like uh it's a it's a focal shot like the the front is on nails and then all of a sudden they focus in the background and it's doink and he's in the stands just hanging out with the fans i like that shot good stuff yeah that's pretty cool i I did notice that that's good stuff then we toss to some fucking guy who looks like ray romano fucked john levitz um (laughs) and he brings out the Natural Disasters and the Nasty Boys, who will be facing Money, Inc. and the Beverly Brothers in the four-on-four survival match at Survivor Series. And they yell and scream, and it's nothing nothing to see here at all. And they're go- everyone's going to Pity City. and It's yeah. awkward, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, it's Mean Gene who is pimping the tag team match between Razor Ramon and Ric Flair against the Ultimate Maniacs, the Ultimate Warrior, and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Really good stuff from Razor and Rick and Perfect. Um, at Survivor Series, it's all ours! And then, what the fuck do we have here? It's the Ultimate Maniacs. No sleep, no food, just maniacism. <laughs> 
think Ultimate Warrior <laughs> fucking really went off his rocker here. Um, it's wow. That's I, I can see crazy why they, stuff, dude. They shit canned him. Yeah, that was that's some funny shit. Definitely, I'm gonna have to put that video on Facebook. Anyhow, we get the rundown for the rest of the card for Survivor Series. Whoopee. And we go to a commercial and come back, and it's Steve Gillespie against uh, Kamala, who is brought out by Harvey Wilpelman. And uh, they're going to have the first televised coffin match at Survivor Series. Kamala splashes Steve, and it's over. Then we, after the match, we toss to Paul Bearer and The Undertaker in his workshop, and The Undertaker has some new ink on his arm. Is that new? Like, am I just now noticing that he got that like under like that Grim Reaper on his forearm? He's had the gr- he's had the Grim Reaper on his forearm, I think, before that. Unless there was a, unless there was something else added to it, um, oh, okay. I, I it wasn't just really paying attention. Extra, it just looked extra glossy. So I thought maybe he was like, I don't know, maybe he oiled up. Usually, Undertaker <laughs> doesn't oil up. No. Um, He's brandishing some type of steel for a coffin, and Mean Gene is back with us in the update, and they toss to Tatanka, and he tells Rick Martell to pay up, and he will no longer be fashionable with his feathers. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because it's all about the fashion. Then the Beverly Brothers and Money Inc. have their promo about the upcoming Survivor Series match. Nothing to see here. Here, here, here. Uh, Next week, it's going to be Papa Shango. And... uh, if no, I'm sorry. Next week, if Papa Shango does not defeat Bret Hart, Bret Hart will face Virgil for the WWF Championship here on Superstars. And then, uh, yeah, Vince trips. Vince pimps that the Triple Crown will be going down tonight at WWF Saturday Night's main event, and he means Triple Crown by all three titles being defended in one night. And that's your WWF Superstars. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, not a bad episode. No, no, not Flew a bad by. episode at all. S- solid build for Survivor Series and Saturday Night's main event. Exactly, and we'll we'll notice on these uh, next couple shows of marking out the days. This one and the next episode thirty one, they're both brands WWF and WCW are uh, building two shows at once. You know. Yeah, they're building towards pay-per-views and then like the TV special Saturday Night's Main Event and uh, Clash of Champions. So uh, absolutely, yeah. So for for those for those whiny wrestling fans out there, they're like, oh, there's too much wrestling on now. Um, go back to 1992, and uh, you would have uh, you, you would have lost your shit if you saw how much wrestling was on. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But um, anyhow, um, let's let's move it on here um, to 605 WCW Saturday night from center stage in Atlanta, Georgia. We open with um, previews of the semifinal matches for the King of Cable tournament. Um, and then Jim Ross uh, is joined by Larry Zabisco as they preview the show. Um, JR announces that Bill Watts will have a major announcement regarding why the Barbarian is replacing Jake the Snake Roberts in the King of Cable tournament. As we go to our opening match, Van Hammer versus Mustafa Saeed. Full disclosure, I took a shit during this match. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But you know who Mustafa Saeed is, right? Uh, No. Mustafa from the Gangsters. Really? Uh, with with New Jack. Okay. All right. All right. Did not know that. Did yeah. not know that. Okay. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, 
Like I said, I took a shit during this match, so this match would have to suck in order to be an improvement. Um, Van Hammer wins with the slingshot suplex. <clears throat> um, next, we have Tony Schiavone, who is with Bill Watts, Cactus Jack, and the Barbarian in the locker room. And Watts um, announces to the uh, the television audience that Jake the Snake Roberts is no longer with WCW due to personal issues. And he hopes that all the best is for Jake and he handles his personal issues, but that the Barbarian will be taking Jake's place this evening against Dustin Rhodes in the King of Cable tournament match. Cactus Jack then uh, says that he likes the chances. He likes Barbarian's chances in the tournament with now two of his men in the in the King of Cable tournament, both Barbarian and Tony Atlas. Yeah, the strong heel stable coming up now. Yeah, yeah, they've been uh, they've been making some noise, um, you know, because despite I mean, Tony Atlas being, you know, still involved in that noise. Yeah, and yeah, the noise that he was making or lack thereof with his stellar ring gear. Um, those gold gym sweatpants and the and in ring work, which we'll discuss later. Oh God, yeah. Um, we go to commercial. We come back from the big break, and it's the Vegas Connection taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Shane Douglas. Um, it's Ricky the Steamboat Dragon. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I'm so stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, Page and Vegas seem to be in a nice groove as a team since they formed um, on television. Um, from what yeah, I'm actually kind of half a fan of it, as cheesy as it is. It's cheesy, like but it. like they're they're working the ring with each other. They're like they're they're building some solid chemistry for being like an undercard tag team. So um, I was I was kind of impressed with that. There's some solid double team moves um, by them on the baby faces, isolating especially Douglas in their corner. Um, and uh, what I also noticed too was um, Larry Zabisco on commentary didn't miss a beat. Um, it reminded me a lot of when uh, he used to uh, work on Nitro with uh, yeah. Shivani and um, and uh, Mike Tenay. So um, that that he was that... good at. Sorry. No, no, uh-huh. go ahead. He was good at putting the matches over and giving you insight and kind of like wrestling logic behind yeah. it too. Uh, even like shitting on the guys who's like, well, he should have had more of a, you know, a grip grip on the guy. If he, if he would have positioned his leg, you know, like he, he gives us insight in there. Yeah. Him and Arn Anderson have been the two best co-hosts that Jim Ross has had since we've been covering these. And they, they bring that like former wrestler perspective to the, to the commentary, kind of like a, a former retired football player or a baseball player that does the, 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 the action and the play by play. Um, the finish comes when Steamboat delivers a top rope crossbody to uh, Vegas um, as and Shane Steamboat gets the hot tag here. Yes, yes, he gets the hot tag, uh, which was a little different because, you know, you would think that, like, he's the veteran and Douglas would get the hot tag as the young baby face. But Steamboat got the hot tag, delivered the top rope crossbody to Vinny Vegas as um, Douglas trips up Vinny from behind. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm still, like, perplexed, you know, like like I talked about the last episode. Ricky Steamboat right now is on fire. Yeah. Like, yeah, they no, should have been putting him towards the championship, I think. Oh, absolutely. Hindsight being 2020, hell yeah, I would have loved to have seen Steamboat as the world champion in WCW at that time. Um, but, um, unfortunately, you know, his his role was to, uh, to, to make Shane Douglas, and they were still a solid tag team. So, you know, as long as Steamboat was on the show and he was in a meaningful role, I think that's really all that mattered at the end of the day. Um, 
JR then interviews Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham to discuss their Clash of Champions title match. Um, Windham is looking forward to the match because he knows what their opponents are, what his opponents are capable of. Um, Steamboat and Douglas then join the uh, interview stage, putting over um, the the team of Vegas and uh, DDP. Yeah. Um, Steamboat and Douglas then thank both Wyndham and Dustin for the title shot and they shake their hands uh, Steamboat says Douglas is the greatest tag team partner he's ever had which results in Dustin not too happy that he's that, that Steamboat is publicly making this claim um, Dustin uh, then asks Steamboat if you know that's not what he told him last year when they were tag team partners. Um, and then you get Barry Windham, who's kind of you know heading towards the dark side, so to speak, uh, intervening and telling Steamboat um, that you know you were a stand-in last year when I was hurt. Um, and they kind of go back and forth a little bit with Douglas, then telling them to bring everything they got for the match of the Clash. Um, and Jerry really like this. Yeah, it was good stuff. It, it, it was definitely good stuff. Um, JR then... storyline telling, not forgetting the history there, especially with oh, Steamboat yeah. being the guy who's elevated uh, Dustin to a title as well, yep. and then helping out Douglas, and now this uh, Wyndham, where Wyndham's attitude is kind of rubbing off on Dustin as well. Yeah, the Who continuity um, with the history with each other I thought was very well done. Um, <clears throat> we come back from the break. And Eric Watts is out to destroy our optimism of witnessing a good match as he faces Chris Sullivan. Um, I hated it. STF. I took a shit during this match. Yeah. Just in my pants. I was that. (laughs) You didn't even even give yourself the courtesy of leaving the room. You watched this as you destroyed your underwear. My goodness. Wow. Um, That's how mad he makes me. Yeah. Watts gets the win with the STF. Fans are booing. Um... Yeah, I, I, I hate I, that he does that STF. Ugh, and he does it so sloppy, too. Mm. Um, yeah, the end. I'm done talking about it. Um, come back from the commercial, and JR is with Watts to discuss his issues with Paul E.'s bounty. Uh, Michael Hayes, Rick Rude, and his match with Kensuke Sasaki at the Clash of Champions. Watts delivers a very generic promo. Um, talking about he has never hidden from a challenge and he's coming at everyone head on. Um, yeah. I, I wish he would go head on into the ground. Yeah, or into a fucking wall and don't come back. Since uh, Owen's not here this week, you. You, Eric Watts. <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we get a commercial and we come back and it's Tex Slashinger and Shanghai Pierce defeating Keith Cole and Joe Barrett. Um, and I just realized how fucking tall Tex Slashinger is. Yeah. He's um, a big boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize how big he was either, but um, he definitely looked bigger during this time period than he did as With Henry Godwin. And Midian. Yeah. Yeah. And Midian, yeah. In WWF. So... Um, this was interesting, but um, I was I was surprised. I, I expected this just to be like a total squash, and the babyface jobbers actually got more offense than I expected. Um, we get a nothing-happening elbow drop for the win and the finish here in this match. And then uh, JR is out with his, his boy, the Cowboy, Bill Watts, to discuss the King of Cable matches tonight. Um Cactus Jack and Harley Race have been both banned from ringside for those respective matches. Um, as we go to commercial, and JR promotes up close with Dr. Death. 
We hmm. come back from commercial, My and, there's, and there's no up close with Doctor Death. Instead, <laughs> um, they they are out to hype the hotline, um, and then discuss the Medusa Paul E um, uh, issues that they've had as we go to another commercial. So hmm. um, this is a my, long show too. Yeah, this is a very long show, and and I forgot to mention at the beginning of this of of this recap that the um, WWE Network put a scroll across the bottom of the screen, uh, you know, saying that this was the, the the best airing of the show due to technical difficulties at the time of the recording, blah blah blah. So um, I don't know what kind of footage they got, if it was bad footage or if. Um, there was some lost footage. I don't know exactly what it was, but um, yeah, up close with Doctor Death did not make it onto this telecast. Spoiler alert! We come back from the break, and uh, Jr. talks about the King of Cable um, matches at the upcoming Clash of Champions, um, and one of them being his next guest, Rick Rude, who is accompanied mm. by Medusa. And Rude talks about his matches Sting. As we see the rest of the Dangerous Alliance show up. And this is interesting because Rude still has an affiliation with these guys. Even though his old lady Medusa has got beef with Paul E. But Paul E's got some stuff going on with the other members of the Dangerous Alliance as well. This is an interesting little uh, dynamic here that this group is kind of divided. Um, Rude, Rude. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Um, Rude's upset that fans call Sting the man. Yes. He says he he says he beats Sting for the U.S. title, and they still call him the man. He's upset he's the rightful number one contender for the world title, but Sting got a title shot before him first and won. Then we get the split screen action as we got Hala Hala Teddy Long in the back interviewing Sting, and Sting says he's coming out to ask Rude a question face to face like a man. Ooh. He shows up. With Dustin, Barry Windham, Ron Simmons, and Van Hammer to an enormous pop. And it's not because of fucking Van Hammer either. Yeah. And then Sting asks Rude if his family and friends call him Ricky, Richard, or Dick, which was bleeped out. Bleep it. Wow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because in 92, that was a bad word. Yeah. Um... He says he's willing to bet that Medusa's got more to show for it than Rude does as he storms off. Rude gets pissed, yeah, loses like, it. What, is, what does he mean by that? Yeah, what does and then he, mean he by that? Then he goes to check Medusa's skirt like she's hiding a dick under there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what the fuck, for real? I did real? not catch that. You didn't see that? No. Oh, yeah, Sting runs off, and he turns around, and he's like, what, what is going on down there? And he like like looks in her, like, in her dress to see like what the hell she's packing. Did you ever like, hear the crazy rumor about Rick Rude? No. Well, well, well I mean, I don't know. Let's, let's take a trip real quick. Okay. Um, I had heard on a podcast um, that there was a rumor that Rick Rude had injected steroids into his dick. Um, and he, that's where he would do the needle. And he had done it so many times that he had to get his fucking dick and balls amputated and... That's why he got depressed near the end of his career because he literally had a straw at the end of his life. I did. I've never heard that before. Crazy story. Yeah, I, I, crazy wrestling Who's, rumors. Right. Who, who said that? Who who, who I, told I, that story? I, I would have to. It was like a radio wrestling show that I used to listen to, dude. Okay. Um, I would have to look back, but yeah, that is one that it's always stuck out to me. It's like. Why do why do a couple people know? You know, like there's crazy stories like that. Like I don't know. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. It was like, yeah, there's crazy stories that only a few people know, and most people would tell you that it's bullshit. But then those right. few people, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, if those exactly. guys only know that. Like, that, yeah. No, I get, I get, I totally get what you're saying. Um, never heard that rumor before. It might. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Only because, like, I've heard crazy stories that he's just fucking. He was fucking crazy. Like, yeah, like he smoked an ounce, like every other day or you know like well like we, the fact that he used to like he, he used to carry a gun with him oh yeah um, he was paranoid all the time yeah. yeah and he steroid abuse it shows and then like also too like um his matches with um ultimate warrior um when he was in the wwf um i don't know if this is attributed to the steroids but warrior warrior fucked up his matches so bad that um that uh, he um, he beat the shit out of Warrior after one of those matches, like, and just went into like this rage, yeah. like he couldn't, he, like you couldn't control him, like he beat the shit out of the Warrior in the locker room. And Warrior did nothing about it, um, but yeah, so I mean, it, it it wouldn't surprise me, but who knows? Um, where are we at here? Sorry. No, 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 that's okay. No, I like the little sidebars. I do we're gonna too. find that story. I do it. I do it to you. Um, yeah. So Rude rips off his tux or rips off his suit. He beats up Bob Cook, who's waiting in the ring to lose oh, to someone. Oh, this was great too. Um, and yeah, just balling him. Crowd's chanting for staying. Um, he's pissed. Um, yeah, it was good stuff. It was definitely good stuff. Um, we go to commercial. Come back from the break, and it's the battle of the underdogs. Ian Weston versus John Peterson. Um, yeah, nobody cared about this match. Um, JR explains the idea behind this. Um, young wrestlers trying to impress the promoters. Um, I do like the fact that they're bringing the athletic presentation to the forefront. Um, and the idea, I think, is great in theory, but the execution didn't really come across very well. Yeah. Um, and Weston won with a sloppy cradle backslide pin for the victory. Uh, it's um, the women's wrestling of AEW. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um with the Japanese kitty porn matches that we get on a fucking weekly basis with the 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 little anime broad that's wearing the belly front. I don't even know what the fuck her name is. Um Rio. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Rio Shirai. Fucking okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's great. That was great. EO Rio Rodney oh, James let's not Dio. Get into that. No, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um commercial. And we come back from the break, and JR and Larry um, are recapping the issues between Brian Pillman and Brad Armstrong stemming from the last Clash of Champions in September, which you and I did a watch party on, on Kicking Out It too. You can find that in the archives. Um, they show clips of their altercation from that night as they send it up to Rhubarb for the next match, which is Brian Pillman going one-on-one with the Freedom Fighter. Um, He's wearing all black. What all type black. of freedom is he fighting? I know. That's it, yeah. Well, I mean, it was, you know, it's Atlanta, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Did I just say something I shouldn't have? Um, okay. So, anyhow, this is a good back and forth match. Um, the story here is that Pillman is expecting to be wrestling a pushover and that the masked man actually has some some strikingly similar skills to Brad Armstrong. Oh, they give it away in the first fucking minute, Dave. Jim Ross does. <laughs> He's like, he's got some strikingly similar moves, some similar moves to Brad Armstrong. Yeah. 
Like basically, he fucking just does that. Like within the first two minutes of the match, I hate. He just it. killed my foreplay. That's like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to get to the big finish, you know. Um, yeah, this the match develops. Commentators in like tongue in cheek manner just kind of loosely bring up Brad Armstrong's name. Um, and you get a double count out for the finish. Referees have to separate the two. Um, JR then has to speak with Pillman, and Pillman knows that Brad Armstrong is the freedom fighter. He's not buying it. You know, um, he says he's not surprised that Armstrong did this and that he's hiding under a mask because of the shame he suffered at the last clash. And then he offers him a chance to redeem himself at the upcoming Clash of Champions event. Um, that was a good promo by Pillman. I liked it. I, I still think he's one of the best performers at the time. Yes. Uh, fiery, so much attitude, so much logic behind it. Uh, he's a great heel. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, fit, fit into the role very nicely. Yes. Um, JR sends us to commercial reminding us that we have two King of Cable matches plus the public workout of Paul E. Um, come back from the break, and JR hypes the ghetto street fight at the upcoming Clash of Champions between... <laughs> Why did they call it that? WCW mean... champion Ron Simmons and Robbie Walker against Cactus Jack, Tony Atlas, and the Barbarian. He then introduces Simmons to the stage for an interview. Um, then JR begins to question where Bobby Walker is, and Simmons confirmed that he left, but he thinks Cactus and the gang had something to do with it. Simmons says Cactus and them know nothing about the ghetto. Growing up in the ghetto is losing both your parents at a young age, fighting for your life in the streets to go to college and become an All-American, to win the WCW title and become the first black man to wear it. Crowd Dude, went fucking crazy for great that. Great fucking promo, though. Yeah. It's fired he was on up. on fire. Oh, yeah. He was fired up, for sure. Um... Simmons says that no matter what brother is his partner, they plan to raise hell and show them what the streets and the ghetto is all about. Um, I thought this was a great promo, but like the, the 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 racial overtones, like not very comfortable for me personally watching this. Like the week before, Tony Atlas said that fucking Robbie Walker wasn't black enough to be in the match or something, and then well, this, this week it wasn't as intense. No, it wasn't, but still, like you're kind of like you're still. You're still playing in that ballpark, you know what I mean? I agree, but coming for like a, like a black person's perspective, they, you know, it's been hard. For yeah. Them. Like, I mean, the Kofi Kingston storyline. If we go to flash forward, there was underlying tones of that. Uh, they didn't necessarily point that out directly. No, no, there no. were there were there were points of that, and now yeah. we have Jordan Miles, who, uh, ACH. Yep. has called out WWF uh, like hand over foot, basically saying, fuck them, they keep black people down. He's doing this for the culture. Um, in a way, I can see that. Yeah, sure. But uh, I mean, I don't know. There, Yeah, there's something about me. Like, I don't like the way that black people are treated on WWE television. They're always shucking, jiving, dancing, or... If you look at every pro like promotional picture on the WWE Network site of the black superstar, mm-hmm. uh, the male one like Apollo Cruz, Cedric Alexander, they're all smiling like cheesy. Like I don't know, it, it just gives me a bad feeling sometimes. Okay, um, all right. I, I, I and I I understand like you know that maybe like uh, you know just racial tension, but yeah, like I uh, I mean I don't know. 
I, I just feel that way sometimes. Like they don't respect the black athletes as much. I get it. Oh, I get it. Um, yeah, well, probably. Yes, another, probably a discussion sensitive. for another day. Yeah, very um, sensitive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was. I was kind of. Yeah, it was definitely sensitive. Um, didn't didn't kill it for me, but I was like, oh, they're still going this route. But yeah. Um. Next up, Scotty Flamingo, Marcus Bagwell. Um. Yeah, uh, Bagwell. Even though he sucked, um, the girls popped for hard for him. Like they just saw him for the first time since he was all up in them guts. They still uh, pop hard for me today, Daddy. Yeah, nine hundred dollars an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what his going rate is, but oh, I know. My good, I, I, I totally forgot about that. I totally. He's a gigolo, folks. If yes, you ever want right. to get dicked down by Buff Marcus Alexander Bagwell, tell him to wear that old ring gear. Uh, reproduce the match with Scotty Flamingo. For $2,500, you can watch Bagwell's mother shave his ball bag in front of you before he fucking puts it up in you. Ah, nice. So you're going to get your fucking Judy Bagwell on a forklift match live and in person <laughs> in your fucking house. That's for sure. Marcus, you get all up in there. I didn't clean them nuts for nothing. Oh, Jesus Christ. You gonna at least put the hat on and do the pose after you finish? I use my expensive exfol- exfoliator. <laughs> you got me lugging these bags of lotions around for the last seven goddamn years. I didn't get one fucking raise. You came out my vagina. <laughs> oh man, really jumped the shark there. Um, this was probably Scotty Flamingo's best match I've ever recapped. Yeah. Um, Bagwell he's, took he's control. Been, he's been progressively better. Yes, I mean, get rid of the fucking makeup, but like, and the and the and the accent, like Jesus Christ, like that's Oy. just just fucking yeah. Oh, I can't, I can't with him. It's fucking ridiculous. I I mute it when I when he's on. Um, Bagwell took control early on with a series of headlocks and takedowns. Eventually, Scotty would get the upper hand, and he'd work the lower body with a scissor hold. Um, and then Bagwell eventually would make a comeback. Corner Flamingo, shove, while shoving the ref out of the way to attack Flamingo, um, he pulls out the tape brass knuckles. And we get a shot to the jaw for the win. Um, Johnny B. Bad then shows up with boxing gloves challenging Scotty. Um, Flamingo goes for the nuts, but Bag- Johnny B. Bad drop kicks him out of the ring in a very anticlimactic, clumsy fashion, um, which sets the scene for their boxing match at the upcoming Clash this Wednesday. Um, then JR interviews Johnny B. Bad, who says, we've seen a travesty of justice in WCW, baby. He talks about Scotty knocking him out last week with a roll of quarters. Then he looks The hardest I've ever been hit, J- JR. Yeah. <laughs> then um, he lists the accolades to remind Flamingo what he's gotten himself into. Golden Gloves champion, U.S. Olympic boxing team, etc., etc. Scotty Flamingo, Lord have mercy. It's going to be a blessing to teach you a lesson. Um, thank God that ended. Uh, so we uh, go to commercial. And back from the break, JR and Larry promote the Pauly workout coming up. And the Clash of Champions, or should I say the Clash of the Sexes at Clash of the Champions. Um... Larry calls it the lady and the wimp and puts over Medusa while trashing Paulie. Way to go with that storyline continuity. Just a few months prior, you were once a member of the Dangerous Alliance. I liked um, it. Yeah, I thought it was good. And then we get Paulie flanked by the Dangerous Alliance coming out for his public workout. 
he gets on the mic and runs down this the female's incredible. gender. This whole segment was the best thing of this whole this whole show. He comes From this out point, dressing like a, 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 a like New York Yankees gear with pads, shin guards, pink, pink wrist guards, yeah, uh, shin guards, uh, gloves, and he's punching like a pussy. He looks like Vince Russo wanted to look in those segments in WCW in 2000. I guarantee Vince Russo, Vince Russo spawned his character from this. Oh yeah, he probably saw this and was like, yeah, let me take a piece of Paulie here, bro. Um, yeah, yeah, and and also just like, oh man, Michael P.S. Hayes looks like a dope dealer too. <laughs> dope, 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 dope. Um, with those, he's got Jordans on with black you got that slacks. Thirty dollars for that fu- rock. Yeah, and a fucking like Nike pullover, like windbreaker jacket with a hood on. Yeah, yeah he looks like a dope dealer. <laughs> but oh I don't my guess, goodness! This, this no, segment. it's great. No, this this segment. This and the confrontation with Medusa, I'll get into that in a minute, was the best thing about this entire show. I and think one of the best f- things we've seen on WCW Saturday Night yeah, this whole really, time we've covered. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they gave this a lot of time. Um, Paulie runs down women on the microphone, says he's better than all of them, plans to show Medusa at the Clash. Um, then he introduces Mike Thor, who they've hired for this exhibition sparring match. Um, and then Hayes runs down the rules. He says there's no gonna be hair, no hair pulling, as Hayes pulls Thor's hair, and then Thor gets hot about it. I thought that was interesting. And it, now, Paulie, don't lose your temper. No shin kicking, as beautiful Bobby then kicks Thor's shins. I thought that was funny. Um, Thor got hot about that as well. And then uh, no forearms, um, as Bobby nails Thor from behind with a forearm. And then and dangerously then picks him up. Yeah, then picks him up, then dangerously nails Thor with a right hand, turns around the gloat, and while doing so, Austin knocks Thor down, and as Paulie turns around, he thinks he took out Thor, yeah. um, which I thought was hilarious. Thor, but yeah. yeah, it was fucking great. That was a great spot, man. Yeah, and then Paulie nails um, an elbow as the Dangerous Alliance count for the cover and the win. Um, he celebrates as JR introduces Medusa onto the stage for an interview. Um, she's disgusted with WCW for allowing Paulie to be in the company. Uh, she claims to be the real brains behind the Dangerous Alliance. Um, and this is where things really get heated. Paulie shows up and he tells her that she's not a real athlete like the rest of the Dangerous Alliance. And he's offering her a chance to back out of the match at the Clash of Champions. But she's not budging one single bit. She plans to show him what a real athlete is. Um, he then offers her a chance to back out again, and she declines and says he's got something coming to him. He wants he wants to know what it is because she's a woman and she's got nothing because she is nothing. Um, pretty harsh words for uh, 1992. As you see Michael P.S. Hayes looking at Stunning Steve and goes, Steve, and Arn and Bobby talking to each other like, what? Yeah. They, 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 at that point, they had kind of, you know, had enough, and they, they, they make their... They slowly start to fade away and fade out of the scene. Um, yeah, I mean, th- I was surprised at like how much they got away with. I mean, then again, this is the Bill Watts era. Apparently, he forgot, um, you know, you know that women's rights um, that, that 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 saga had ended decades prior. Yeah. Um, holy shit, was WCW Savage in 1992? Um, at one point, Hayes I'm tries to tell him. Up. He's like, you're going a little too strong. You're a little harsh. Yeah. Um, Paulie says it's not her fault. She's stupid because she was born stupid because she's a woman. Mm. Oof. 
I'm telling you right now, that does not fly in 2019, especially with the feminist movement we have going on in our country. Oh, no. Oh, man. Um, like I said, Dangerous Alliance backs off. They leave the set, not before Arn tells them to, you know, just ease up on her. Take it easy. Uh, of course, Paulie ignores that request, continues the verbal assault, and then he goes for even further. How many nights did you call me from Rick Rude's room saying you wanted to be with a real man like me? Um, and at that moment, you could see Medusa's like visibly shaken, upset by all these things that Heyman is saying to him, or dangerously, I should say. This was a really strong segment. This is um, great acting by her, too. Um, and just great acting and... Uh, like just, just great acting by both yes. of them. Sorry, oh, yeah. I can't. I can't even stress. No, no, I, no. I can't even come up with another word. Just these yeah. got they both of them nailed it, this part. Oh yeah, she would look like she was gonna cry, and he was just he he was just such he played such a great asshole. Um, he then throws water in her face and turns around to realize that the rest of the Dangerous Alliance is gone. Um. And then she gets in his face and chases after him into the ring and up into the stands. Crowd went fucking crazy for this. Uh, and like she's in high heels, by the way. Yes. While doing this. Yes. And she's running like she's wearing track shoes. It was unbelievable. Um, go to commercial and come back from the break. And JR and Larry recap what we just saw between both Paulie and Medusa. Um, Larry was thrilled that Paulie got what was coming to him. They cut to Shivani. Who's backstage at Vader in preparation for his King of Cable match with Tony Atlas? Harley Race is not happy with Watts' decision to ban him from ringside for this match. And then Vader says, Atlas ain't big enough, ain't bad enough, ain't strong enough. No fear, no pain. Um, next up, it's beautiful Bobby Eaton going one-on-one with Kensuke Sasaki. Yeah. Um, Before the match, Michael P.S. Hayes is doing a Japanese plane crashing into the ground hand gesture. Oh, my goodness. I totally missed that. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's not a racist. No. Um, no, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, this was an okay match. Uh, I think their styles clashed a little bit. Um, I felt like it was too short, um, and then they really started to get things going. Um, Sasaki was, uh, you know, with his with his powerhouse, agile presentation, and yet Eaton uh, with his technical wrestling ability. Um, obviously, it's a preview to preview the clash tag match that they're scheduled to have, you know, with Arn and Eric Watts as their respective partners. Yeah, uh, not fin- bad stuff here, but I think, like you said, like, the dynamic of it, like, Bobby should have been cheating a little bit more and trying to be a little bit more dirty. Yeah. Uh, rather than being so technical with a big guy like Kanzuki. Totally agree. Um, finish comes when uh, Hayes distracts the referee. Arn makes the run and attacks. Clearly, they didn't give a shit. Um, then we see some random babyface jobbers try to make the save, but get taken oh, out God. by Arn and Bobby. And then, Buff Ballbag and uh, and Eric Watts make the save <laughs> as we run into the commercial break. As, as Ballbag? Wait, actually, Eric Watts should just be Ballbag for now on. Yeah, or Eric Watts was <laughs> carrying his Ballbag into the fucking ring. <laughs> Yeah, because those guys from the underdog challenge earlier nutsack. came out and uh, did no effect. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't anything special. Um, 
get the commercial and we come back and uh it's tony atlas going one-on-one with vader in a king of cable first round match um Ooh. vader got a mini pop here probably yeah. be, probably because center stage knows that at that atlas sucks and they want to see vader kill him um and then uh yeah this match it couldn't end soon enough it, it was yeah i just there was a part there was a moment that was that seemed to be so good where Vader like went for the crossbody in the corner and Tony caught him and it looked like he was going to slam him, but then he lost all strength and just dropped yeah. Vader. And yeah. then Vader was like, we're going for the fucking finish and clotheslined him and fucking gave him the splash. And that was it. Yeah. And crowd po- and the crowd popped because it was over. Like, oh yeah, was, yeah, definitely. They, they, were, they were done with that. Um, Jerry and uh, Jerry, uh, Jr. and Larry recap the match as well as the tournament continuing at the clash with Sting and Rude as we go to a commercial break. Come back from the break, and Jr. is with Barry Windham, who discusses his support for Dustin heading into this King of Cable match with the Barbarian. On my notes, He's- I have Barry Wind Jammer, which do you know what a wind jammer is? Um, when a turd is stuck in your butt. And you have the loudest fart ever. Uh, look it up on Urban Dictionary. Barry Windjammer. That's what Was my that... notes cor- corrected it to. Yeah. Uh, but he's wearing a Hard Rock Cafe T-shirt. This is the only reason I I brought this up because uh, WCW always had a relationship with Hard Rock Cafe. Um, wow. Even throughout the years, like to 2000. Um, and there's a story where my aunt was like. In Las Vegas, Hard Rock Cafe, celebrating her honeymoon, and um, she sees a wrestler, and she goes, "Oh my God, you're um, uh, you're um," and he's like, "Macho Man." And she's like, "No, no, you're um," and he's like, "I'm DDP," and it was DDP, and she met DDP, and she was like, "Oh my God, my my nephew loves you, you know, like he's a big fan of wrestling, all this. Uh, can you sign something?" And she goes to hand him a napkin. He's like, "I'm not signing a napkin." Buy a shirt. So, of course, her and her girlfriend at the time, uh, not at the time, but, you know, the one that she went with to Las Vegas to celebrate her, like, bridesmaids, whatever, celebration. Um, yeah, anyhow, <laughs> they they both bought shirts or whatever, and DDP signed a shirt for me, and I, I, I lost it along the years, but it was cool. But then, as they're leaving, DDP smacks my aunt's friend's ass and winks at her. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, DDP is famously known for having sex with over, like, 3,000 or 5,000 women, whatever he said in his book one time. Really? DDP? Yes. yes. Him and Kimberly that. were swingers, and he said he's had sex Stop. with over, like, Yeah. For real? I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Okay. It's yeah. me. It's me. It's swinging. D. 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 P. Wow, dick, dick, penis. <laughs> that's what it stands for. Anyhow, I and thought that's I would... not a bad thing. <laughs> no, that's a good thing. <laughs> exactly. I just thought I'd throw that story in there since uh, he was wearing the Hard Rock Cafe. But Barry Windjammer, everybody. Barry Windjammer. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I I don't know what to say about that. Honestly, I don't. Barry <laughs> Windjammer. I. Next time, I, next time that happens to me, I'm gonna tell my wife. Like, and she asks me, "What's wrong?" But I got a fucking windjammer. What's a windjammer? Well, I got this turd that's just not coming out, and I'm about to fart, and you're not gonna like it. Yeah. yeah. 
bad stuff, yeah. Um, so anyhow, Barry Windjammer, after he finally gets that turd out of his fucking ass, uh, decides to tell JR that he's behind Dustin 100% and supports Dustin's desire to pursue a singles career. Mm-hmm. Um, JR then sends it back to Teddy Long, who's in the locker room with Dustin Rhodes. And Dustin's pretty fired up for this match. He's so much so, he's slurring his words. Uh, when all of a sudden, Cactus Jack jumps him and continues the assault. Yeah, Cactus um, Jack jumps Barry or Dustin, and Teddy Long goes, It's the Barbarian! Yeah, yeah, he's like, <laughs> Barbarian in here! Uh, no, stupid. Um, that's not Barbarian. Um, Cactus is white um, and longer hair and yeah. almost as ugly as Barbarian, but not. Uh, yeah, he beat the shit out of him, slammed him in the lockers. Referees tried to break it up. Wyndham finally shows up. Steamboat and Douglas also come to his aid um, as we get Cactus joining JR on stage to explain his actions. Um, he says Dustin tripped and fell, and the match should be awarded via forfeit to Barbarian. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Um, Jared then informs us that Dustin is being allowed time to get himself together in hopes of returning for the main event as we go to our final commercial break. Um, And we are back. And Jared lets us know that Dustin has received medical assistance and he wants to compete as he makes his way down to the ring. No theme music, by the way, but he's accompanied by Shane Douglas, Barry Windham, and Ricky Steamboat, who look like they are asking him to step away from this match after the attack by Cactus. Um, I'll be honest with you, the psychology was backwards for, for me in this match. Um, this match didn't do it for me, um, and here's why. Um, Dustin gets attacked prior to this match, okay? And he decides he's going to fight, but all of a sudden he's the aggressor on a fresh Barbarian. Right. Like, that did, like I felt like Barbarian should have been dominant from the get-go. Um, yeah. No, yeah, I, I, just, I completely agree. Yeah, I just thought, like... If you're trying to build this story of, like, Dustin being this underdog after he was attacked, then, I don't know, I just, I, 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 I like I said, the, the psychology lacked for me. It was way backwards. But um, Dustin uh, uh, rolled up Barbarian for the win um, as we get JR and Larry Zabisco previewing next week when Dustin faces Vader in the King of Cable semifinals match. We also got Sting and... Announced at the time, Nikita Koloff taking on Rick Rude and Cactus Jack. Plus, Clash of Champions is this Wednesday. So long, everybody. Wow. Um, yeah. Action packed yeah, episode. This is a good. This is a good episode. Um, lot, a lot went down. It seemed like almost every every segment, every match had some meaning to it. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. Absolutely, and a lot of time to fill too, and like that's how it's done WWE when you have a three-hour fucking show. Anyhow, I digress. Uh, what do you think for this week, then, Dave? Um, I'm gonna go with superstars. Really? Yeah, I am. Um, really? I think they did. Yeah, I think they did a bit. I, I mean, as much as Saturday night was action-packed, um, I liked superstars because you were it. Even though they gave you a lot, it didn't feel like a lot uh, in the 45 minutes that, that I was watching it. Um, yeah, I thought I thought the hype for Survivor Series and Saturday Night's main event was... that that to Overall, I just thought it was a good quality show. And that's not say... It's, it's, it, it beats Saturday Night, like, just barely. Uh, okay, I for sure thought you were going with Saturday Night, so that's why I chose WWF Superstars. 
um, to try to make it a little interesting, but we're both on WWF Superstars this week. Well, you know um, what? Let, let me, all right. Wait, now, that you, now that you mention that, I let mean, me think the about WCW it. Saturday Night, that segment with Medusa and Paul. Yeah, let me, go, let me go back. Incredible. Yeah. But, let, let, let me but walk that back. In an airtight show, in an airtight show, real quick, airtight show, WWF Superstars was great, you know, for yeah. what it was. Yes, yes. Um, let me walk that back by saying that if if we're gonna do a one and done between these two shows, then the the segment with Paulie and Medusa takes it right then and there. Okay. Um, but like you said, like for what it was, it was a quality show. It was airtight, and that's why I chose it over Saturday night. There were some things they could that they didn't need to have on Saturday night. Like we did, we need the the the, the jobber tryout match. Did no. it need to be an hour and fifty nine minutes? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, for real. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, WWF superstars for the win this week. But that segment with Medusa and Pauly and the Dangerous Alliance, everything oh, yeah. there was fucking on fire. Yes, agreed, 100%. Totally agree. Um, But you can't win them all. Anyhow, nope, nope. Uh, that's yeah. this episode of Marking Out the Days, I think, uh, for this week, uh, November 14th, 1992, episode 30. Everybody, thank you for joining us. Dave, you want to sign us off and let us know what's going on and kicking out at two and plug us and uh, get the frick out of here? All right, man, let's do it. Um, before you guys uh, hit that download button on the next uh, recording covering uh, November the 21st, 1992, um, Head on over to our uh, our, our social media. Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank here because I'm an idiot because because uh, I got so much going on in my head right now. Oh, well, you said you. We're you on said, Facebook at Retromania yes. with a W. We are also on uh, Twitter at Retromania Pod, and you can always write to us old school style at Retromania Podcast at Gmail And Dave, where can we find you and plug away? Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for just saving my ass right there. That was fucking awful. I feel so bad. I feel like a piece of shit right now. It happens um, with me, too. We get tired and lethargic. We have real lives. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so you can find Kicking Out of Two on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out of Two. You can also find us on Twitter at Kicking Out Two. We got some great shows uh, happening. Uh, last week we had the War Games watch party with uh, the um, where we where we watched uh, the the 1996 War Games match from Fall Brawl between the NWO and WCW. That was a lot of fun uh, as we head towards the NXT uh, War Games event coming up. Um, and then this week, or should I say next week, we have um, we're going to do a fantasy booking edition of Kicking Out of Two. I've always been against it. I've always been against doing like fantasy booking style shows. And because you and I have been covering a lot of 1992, I thought, why not try to rebook the Survivor Series? Because I feel like that the 1992 Survivor Series was a good show. Uh, but it had potential to be great with the roster that they had. And that was the first year that they really ditched the the, the Survivor Series elimination tag match formats. So, yeah, it, it was disappointing in some ways, but in other ways it was still a good show. So I'm going to put my own spin on it. I'm going to rebook, rebuild, and reconstruct Survivor Series 1992. A little uh, Seth freaking Rollins! <laughs> Um, I'm gonna do it with the current with with that current roster at that time. Um, hey, might get a couple like surprises. Hulk is dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little Ooh. bit. I took a page out of your book. But, um, oh, I like it. I like it yeah, because I, uh, I'm embracing you getting into this because I know okay. you, you've been off. You've been weary of it. You do trading places, which is it is a pseudo way of doing it, but this is going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. Trading places is like I try to realistically map out the trajectories with the way that the landscape is shaped at those particular times. You know what I mean? I try not to go off the beaten path. And I think I've done a pretty good job of keeping that concept um, true to its form. With this here, I'm, I mean, there's going to be some surprises. There's going to be some, 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 some swerves, bro. But Ooh. for the most part, it's, it, I'm going to put my own flavor, my own spin on it. You know what I mean? I'm going to play Monday morning quarterback like a lot of people do. You're Dave or Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Dave or Dave. I like that. But yeah, I, I'm 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 gonna embrace it because, you know, why not? Give it a shot, see what happens, and you know, go from there. So uh the the Survivor Series nineteen ninety two rebooked coming to you next week and then the following week as we head into thanksgiving we're going to keep up with a family theme and we're going to bring to you all in the kayfabe family that's right where we're going to discuss storyline siblings and relatives in the world of professional wrestling between edge and christian kane and undertaker the beverly brothers um yeah they weren't real life siblings but we're gonna we're gonna discuss uh, those uh those sibling pairings the history behind them would they have would they have been believable to you as brothers or brother and sister or cousin and uncle or whatever the fuck? So we're going to do that um, as we head into Thanksgiving. Keep up with the family theme. You, they say you, 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 you can't pick your family, but in pro wrestling, the booker certainly did with these pairings. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that on uh, kicking out of two uh, heading into Thanksgiving. And that about does it. Um, and like I said, you know, d- d- don't go away because our next recording – because we're giving you a double dose, a, a, a two-for-one special of Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warrior covering 11-21-1992, episode 31 of WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. For Kobe Nida, I am Dave Rosenbluth. Hit that download button and we'll see you in a few. Wrestling fans, we're running out of time. We'll see you next week. <laughs>